And we are live here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. What's up, guys? Nick Scripp here on the P2W Fantasy Podcast, continuing the shows on even after the fantasy football season. Uh, we actually have a game tonight, so we're live during a game. Apologize to these two for dragging you guys away. I'll probably have my phone up to the side here with the uh, the game rolling on. But, uh, yeah, excited about this show today. I have two uh, great guests on the show. Um, neither have been on my show. I, I've been on one of their shows uh, before. Um, but yeah, we are going over some redraft reflections today. So um, before we get into anything related to the show, I do want to make sure, uh, first and foremost, I say that this podcast is partnered up with the Fantasy Points Media Group. FantasyPoints.com is my personal one-stop shop for everything fantasy related. I'm on there daily. Uh, everything you're looking for in, in terms of uh, redraft, DFS, best ball, dynasty, it's all on FantasyPoints.com. So go check the website out. All right, so to kick things off, I'm going to briefly introduce these guys and let them talk about them themselves here because they're both pretty active in the fantasy community here. So first, uh, first up, I got Sam on the show here, uh, FSWA member. You previously wrote for Ball Blast. I, you have the football guys hat on as well, so I know you've been involved with several sites and uh, you you uh, have a good niche with, with your writing ability. So can you talk about what you're doing now, maybe what you've done before, and uh, what, what, what's ahead for you, man? Yeah, like you said, uh, previously wrote for Ball Blast. Still do a little things, links here and there for football guys. Um, working with that as well. Basically, for me, just kind of uh, getting ready to get head into the offseason. First full, full season is done, creating content. Had a blast with that. Real grind. But uh, now we get to go into the off season. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, I'll be doing some draft content later on. Um, have some stuff planned for that as we get into March and April. Uh, one of my favorite times of the year is draft time. So I'm pretty active with there. And uh, I can't wait to get some stuff done with that. But I just, I just dropped my uh, top 12 rankings for running backs for 2022 today. I'm going to work on the rest of qbs wide receivers and tight ends you know as the weeks go through and that uh that takes a lot more work than people actually admit and uh anytime you post that on on twitter or in an article you're always going to get some sort of shit back uh, mm -hmm. because you'll have some guy ranked as the rb5 but somebody else had him as the rb4 and then they they yell at you for that so uh, hats off to you for for doing that but uh like you said it's a long Long off season, but there's tons and tons of content through the off season because a lot of people are year-round dynasty players and are still involved with it. So, um, mm -hmm. also on the show have Zach, a host of the Trip Wire podcast, which is a waiver-focused show, part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. I was on that show before at Triple Play. Uh, that whole entire uh, family there are, are good friends uh, of myself here. Um, also, writer for uh, Triple Play, Fantasy and Frames, Dynasty Vipers, Club Fantasy, FFL. Uh, we have the FF Fit Club hashtag that you and myself and maybe some other people are trying to keep alive a little bit. I know we're pretty active with posting it, so I respect you for doing that. But uh, very active, Zach, man. So talk about what you what you do. Sure. I mean, you covered all the teams I worked for, so it's been a lot of fun. Um, with the offseason, we have a lot of videos coming out through Triple Play. So I'm working on an interview series right now and some uh, 2021 season review with a little 2022 outlook. Uh, on player profiles and then just taking a quick break from articles as we get through the the rest of the playoffs and then i'll start pumping out a lot of articles to the the other teams 
um, as we get through the offseason. Yeah, we have a, a lot of time with a lot of things to talk about. So even taking like small breaks with, with certain things is, is a smart move at times. But thank you both for being on the show again. We have a game tonight, so uh, I kind of feel bad dragging you guys away. But uh, should be a good one today. So if you are tuning in, we are talking about the 2021 season and some redraft reflections. So we're just going to touch on some different topics, more of a reflective episode of the, the previous season that, that just finished. So uh, stick with us as we jump into this show. all right all right so redraft reflections uh for the episode today starting off with the waiver wire so i mentioned uh zach you you did a show uh, all season for uh, waiver wires every every Monday. Um, big, big piece for redraft and dynasty leagues. But uh, there's typically a lot of bold opinions on on how to approach the waiver wire, uh, who should, should not be picked up. It's not always black and white with things. So I guess my first question to you guys is, and we'll go, we'll go Sam and then uh, to Zach afterwards. What's something you learned personally as a fantasy manager from playing the waiver wire this year? I mean, I feel like, me as a fantasy manager, if I play fantasy for 10 years, I'm still probably learning something every year from, from just playing. So what, what comes to mind, Sam? Well, the waiver wire for me was a big learning experience. It's kind of ironic that we're starting with this question. I also hosted the Ball Blast waiver wire show hmm. with, with our buddy Bo McBigtime. And going over that, it's just so much that goes into waiver claims every week. If I had to pick one thing away – is that it really takes a lot of time to focus on the waiver wire. You really have to nail down who you want to spend your fab on if you do have playing leagues with fab. And if not, you have to you know figure out where to uh, prioritize whether to use your waiver spot or not because – you know, it, it's a strategy. It's it's you know playing keep away with other fantasy managers. It's improving your own team, even if you don't need to. But it, it's the the craziest thing is is just how much time goes into a league's waiver wire picks. It could take thirty to forty minutes just to figure out who you want, who you want to allocate your fab to, and just the sheer amount of players each week was something I really didn't think about until I did a show. I'm sure Zach kind of had the same experience there. Yeah, and I like uh, I like the point about the time of it because I I think what most people think when it comes to like producing content for waiver wires and you guys both did a show. I would do typically like really brief like TikTok videos that I put on Twitter and stuff. But it actually takes a long time because there's a lot of guys that have random good weeks. So to go through every single team and figure out like this guy is actually a guy that might do this again next week versus this guy was a one-off, like don't waste your time on him is is something that uh, you have to be kind of smart with at times. But uh, Zach, any, any thoughts on anything that Sam said and then go into uh, any of your thoughts on something you learned uh, through the waiver wire this season? Sure. I think Sam summed it up pretty well of kind of what the waiver wire encompasses. Um, I think a lot of people kind of forget every off season, uh, like when they're signing up for all these different leagues, which is exciting. We love drafting. Uh, but then when it comes time to actually trying to win your league, I think it's really done on the waiver wire. You need to stay active. 
Um, now you can get lucky and draft some great guys, and that's that's wonderful. Um, but odds are you're you're going to need to fix your team through the waiver wire. Um, so that's kind of the biggest thing. I mean, that's something I think we've all learned before. But being active, and I'm sure in the leagues that you probably were the most active in your waiver wire, you probably performed uh, better than the leagues where you kind of just gave up on the waiver wire because you didn't have time. Um, a little peek behind the curtain, I guess, as we create waiver wire shows. Uh, for me, I'm kind of looking almost days ahead. I'm on Saturday. I'm kind of already forming my show sheet, looking at who's already at 50% um, under for roster ship on ESPN and kind of just guesstimating who I think could have a big game, who's got good matchups looking at the week ahead. Um, and that's kind of how I started. And then based on those games and based on matchups, as I start cutting players or adding more, and that kind of helps me save some time because like I said, we're putting that content out on Monday night uh, to get everyone ready for their waivers on Tuesday. Um, but really it's just about being active and really, like you said, paying attention. Um, like you said, some guys are probably going to have a blow up week, which is great. You probably didn't have them. That's why they're on the waiver wire. Yeah. Um, but was it sustainable? Was it just one play? Uh, really looking at those peripheral stats of, um, targets, um, maybe even how much time of possession was it? Were there any outliers of that game? Like what, what was the reason why they did so well that game or did so bad that game? Um, that really could be an outlier or is that a trend that you started noticing for a few weeks? So those kind of different stats help. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with the stats part too, because uh, you know, like something I've looked at more this season is a snap percentage. So sometimes, you know, a wide receiver has a decent day, but then you look at it and he only played like 30% of the snaps. He just made some, some bigger plays during that game. So uh, looking a little bit deeper is important. Um, my, something that came to mind for me is being aggressive early uh, in this is not saying like go out and blow your fab right away. But I think, you know, when you see signs of somebody that might have that long potential for the season, being aggressive with your fab early on might be in your favor because as the season goes on and people are starting to not, you know, make the playoffs or lose hope of making the playoffs or are not, you know, as active, you're going to get some freebies off the waiver wire because you're going to have less people trying to attempt to grab guys towards the end of the season. Whereas the beginning of the season, when we have the, uh, I'm, my example here, Elijah Mitchell's of the world, you know, a lot of people were giving other people shit for spending too much money on him. But then I'm looking, you know, I have the list here. I'm looking at Elijah Mitchell, who was a, a waiver wire guy for redraft leagues, week seven, RB 12, week eight, RB eight, week 12, RB three, week 13, RB 13, week 17, RB nine. So plenty of weeks as a top 12 guy. If you spent your fab early on him, it paid off. I mean, you have to be smart with it, but I think that that's uh, that's something I, I thought about a little bit more is like being a bit more aggressive early on when you see some really good signs and not being worried about, you know, I need to save my fab for week 13 when I, you know, might be going into the playoffs. So uh, that that's my example of a player that um, I feel like was a good waiver wire move for me. Uh I, I took second in a, in a league that he was a big part of. Uh, he did miss a handful of weeks, but the weeks he did play, it, it was beneficial. It was a benefit to me for having him on the team. Um, another guy wrote down uh, Elijah Moore. I had literally everywhere, but in a small roster league, um, I ended up dropping him after the draft. I a draft, I picked him back up, and then I, I had him for those three weeks that he had the twenty plus fantasy points. So that was another guy that came to mind, but. Uh, Zach, was there somebody that stood out to you as a, as a fantasy manager that you, you're like, hey, this guy actually helped me out from the waiver wire this season? Yeah, so we'll actually plug uh, Ball Blast. I was in their listener league uh, this season. It's a 14-team league. Uh, 
that was probably one of the hardest drafts I've ever been in. Um, it was a lot of fun. And I went, I don't want to call it zero RB, but I probably went zero RB in that in that draft just the way it fell. I took Travis Kelsey, my first pick, which eh, probably didn't really work out, though. He had some good weeks. Um, I can't remember if it was week one or week two, but I picked up Cordell Patterson. Um, and there really weren't that many people fighting for him, if I remember correctly, bidding on him for him. Um, and he definitely helped me get in the playoffs just because he was able to plug into my running back spot for pretty much every week um, because my running backs were not that strong um, because of how I drafted. I got lucky with like Damian Harris and stuff like that. But um, then during bye weeks, I could swap him over to wide receiver. He had dual eligibility in that league. Um, so he was probably the sole reason why I made the playoffs. And it's just because I, I took a chance and, he looked really dynamic early on. If we, if we remember how dynamic he was at the beginning, he was he just was terrible at the end of the season. Um, but yeah, that was my Cordero was probably my my big personal pickup. And I, and I know mo- most people, you know, in their rankings had him as a top twelve running back before the season started. But uh, <laughs> he definitely was a pleasant surprise coming off that <laughs> that, that waiver wire, uh, especially being a thirty year old uh, ex special teams guy uh, out in Chicago here. But uh, Sam, same same question. Who who was somebody that uh, helped you out this year? Uh, you made a move and uh, it, it really paid off. Uh, I had a lot of Elijah Mitchell after week one, but uh, someone someone who really helped me like make the playoffs. Picking up Gabe Davis in that like week 11, 12 range, you know, where he had that kind of nice three week stretch going down the stretch to help you get into the playoffs. There, that was a nice nice little time for him to kind of spark up. You know, right when Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders weren't playing. Uh, big Gabe Davis fan personally. So I was just looking for an excuse to play him where I had him and picking him up where I didn't. So right there was a nice place. And uh, he really helped down the stretch. And I think he puts himself in a really good position for next season. Yeah. And uh, to even I- extend some more names further, um, if you picked up Sony Michelle, if you picked up Rashad Penny, those guys helped a lot of people win championships this year. So again, waiver wires like, I look at some of the leagues that I'm in, uh, some home leagues, and there's some guys that are super active, and then there's guys that are super laid back, and the guys that are super laid back all the time typically don't go to playoffs or typically don't win the league. So uh, I think you know some of those names and what they did this season really makes it evident that it's important. It's very important. Um, yep. we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on to another topic here, trading, trading. So, uh, again, it's frustrating when you play in a league where – People don't want to trade. People are hesitant to trade. I think, you know, and I hear people say this all the time, but I think like half the time I send a trade offer to somebody, they think I'm like trying to finesse them or something because I do, you know, a podcast and stuff like that. But I'm just like trying to make some moves. But trading is a big topic in, in redraft. So uh, what, what's something, same, same sort of question, what's something that you as a fantasy manager this year uh, learned when it comes to trading or it could be some just advice when it comes to the trading topic in general, trading and redraft. Uh, Sam, what, what comes to mind for the trading topic? Either something you learned or something that it, you, you feel like is a good piece of advice. Ooh, well, the best advice I can offer is manage your expectations when you're trading. Don't You don't have to go for the home run trade every time. Just a simple trade. Sometimes even trading, you know, a third round pick for a player that you think might have a chance next year could could mean the world a difference. But uh, really manage your expectations because chances are, while you want to make that home run trade, the guy the guy you're sending that offer to probably doesn't, unless he's just a degenerate like some of us are. <laughs> so yep, yep. We definitely need to manage expectations. But uh, I don't know. Some, something I learned from trading this year is. 
definitely to stop trying to look for value everywhere. Sometimes just focus on making the best trade that you possibly can. Don't try to win every trade because you're probably not going to win every trade. And, you know, people won't trade with it if they only think you're trying to go for value. I think that's a good point. I think it's a really good point. That was one of the uh, things that I, I wrote down a little bit different uh, of a view, but I, I think that, you know, we overly focus on winning a trade and, and and we see it every day on Twitter. You know, people say who, who won this trade and they put a poll up all the time. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I, I'm fine in redrafts, mostly redrafts. I mean, in dynasty, it's, it's, it's a tougher subject, but in redraft, I'm fine losing a trade. If you put it into a calculator or you pull it on Twitter, if it makes my team better at the end of the day, if I gave you a better set of value to get a positional need, that's going to help me win. I'm fine with it. But I think most people would get so focused in on like, all right, this is the trade that just happened. Did, did I win it? Well, let me see your team afterwards. I mean, it, there's, there's more to it. Uh, that's a, that's a good point though. Um, Zach, Zach, same, same topic. What's something you either learned or, or a piece of advice uh, when it comes to trading and, and, and redraft? Sure. Uh, so I'm a commissioner of my, my home league. Uh, I think we're going on, I think this was year seven or eight. And it's a very active league when it comes to trading, which I think is a lot of fun. I'm probably good for at least three trades a season, if not more in that league. This was the first year that I didn't make any trades. Uh, I don't know if I had anything with my first year creating content. And like you say, kind of, because I shared my information in that league, I didn't, I didn't mind. Um, but maybe they thought that I was trying to pull one over. But honestly, I didn't really send out that many trades. I didn't feel like my team really had the players in place to make honest trades. Um, so I had some trades sent my way that I just I didn't agree with. So I, I just kicked it back. Um, but I guess advice that I would recommend is like you said, like don't try to win the trade, or or I should say, don't worry about losing either. It's more does you look for how you can make your team better and their team better. Because if you're not making their team better, why would they accept a trade? And if you're trading with someone that has no idea what they're doing, um, is that really a league that's worth your time too? Um, so for me, it's also try to have lines of communication. Um, depends on how your league is set up. Do you know the people in your league? But is there a way where you can message them, text them, talk to them, and really kind of figure out who are they looking for? Who do you like? And kind of narrow that down. Because there's so many times where I hate when I just send out a trade offer and it just gets ignored. Uh, and you're like, did they even see it? Uh, do they not care? Just say no. Like, it's okay. At least we can start somewhere. So it's really kind of reaching out. Like, or before you even say to trade offer, hey, is there anybody in your team that like, you're looking to move or is there anybody on my team that you like and kind of figure out what's their mindset. Uh, Cause you don't want to overvalue your guys. That's not going to help you. Um, but you also don't want to undervalue their guys because uh, you want to get as much out of a trade as you can, but while being fair. Yeah. I like, uh, I like uh, the, the point you, you made about um, looking at their team, right? You mentioned maybe making their team better. That, that is one of my biggest pieces of advice when it comes to trading is, is you, you have to, look at the other person's team because at the end of the day, like putting it down on a piece of paper and saying, is is this a good trade? Sure. On paper. But when you're offering somebody who has Kelsey in redraft, you're offering, you know, your big selling point is Kittle for them to lose one of their best running backs. Doesn't make a ton of sense. Right. I mean, you have to really identify the, the other team's needs how can I address that need while getting what I want from them? I mean, it's it's simple as that sometimes. But I think, again, we get focused on like A for B. How does this look? Put it in the calculator. Put it on Twitter. So um, good good, good points all around for trading. 
and uh, I'm a big trader. I send too many offers all the time, and uh, I'm annoying in my league. So I'm I'm, I'm about that life. But <laughs> uh, moving forward, moving forward, all three of us produce content. We all have you, Sam. You mentioned you just came out with your rankings, your early rankings already uh, for the running back position. We're constantly putting out advice. Uh, we're we're high on certain guys. We um, speak speak on certain guys individually at times, and uh, it really is uh, interesting to look back and say, "Hey, like I I did well with my analysis on this guy. I missed on this guy." So we'll start with the positives before we get into the negatives here. So the the focus of this question right here is uh, big hits. So a big hit to me is you might have like spoke about this guy maybe on a podcast or you writ- uh, you put out a written article or maybe you're tweeting about him often, but you were high in a guy, maybe higher than the consensus, and the guy had a good season. Um, who's somebody that comes to mind uh, for you? We'll, we'll go back to Sam with this one. Oh, for me at the top of the list, it's got to be Michael Pittman. Uh, I like it. I like one it. of my – what one of my favorite picks from this past year uh, just felt like Wentz was the guy who was going to push the ball downfield to him, make him be a relevant contributor to this team instead of the uh, part-time contributor that he was in his rookie season. And it really worked out Uh, 85 catches over a thousand yards. I think it was eight touchdowns uh, finished right outside the uh, wide receiver two or I think he uh, finished right inside the wide receiver receiver two number. So a uh, great season for him. And then another one for me, I, I was a really big on Jalen hurts and uh, really glad that that turned out. Well, obviously personally being an Eagles fan worked out well there. So uh, with the top seven finish right, right where I had him. I, I like the, uh, I like the Pittman call. He's a guy personally that I'd say is um somebody Early on in the season, I, I started like really getting interested in, and I, and I made some moves personally to get him on my team. And then through my podcast, I was uh, I was speaking on Pittman uh, more often, but it wasn't 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 a ton before the season. So again, sometimes you hit him earlier, you know, or, or, or later. But I really like what he did this season, and he was a guy that some people were starting to get down on because he'd have like two bad games and. And I, I thought he had some really, really nice weeks. Multiple games above 20 fantasy points this year. He took a big jump, so I, I really like that. Hurts, I'm a massive Hurts fan as well. I had a whole YouTube video just focused on him. Really liked what he did, and uh, um, it's unfortunate that uh, he's not playing anymore after that uh, loss at a Bucks. And, of, of course, I'm sure everybody's going to be pointing to uh, to to him for, for certain things. But uh, <laughs> Zach, Zach, same, same question. Who's somebody you feel like uh, you might have been a little bit – you know, higher on before the season started than the consensus that you feel like is a good hit for uh, for redraft this year. Sure. So I'm going to preface this. I don't do ranks, um, so I applaud everyone that does. But no, thank you. Uh, so yeah. this is just this it's is stressful. Yeah, it's stressful. <laughs> it's too much. Uh, so for me, I did not expect for either of these guys to do as well as they did. So it kind of feels like I'm cherry picking. But Austin Eckler, uh, I always felt like he deserved to be in their first round as a pick and especially even half PPR, like there's just, I was really excited by how much work he had the potential of getting Did I did not expect him to get that many touchdowns. I'm I'm not going to pretend like I did. Uh, But I mean, we were talking about his offensive coordinator kind of making him the, the uh, Alvin Kamara of the chargers. And he pretty much did that. Um, The sets pretty much line up pretty equally from Kamara's best year. So 
um, I thought that was that was great of Echo. Now I'm not going to be like Victoria and call him step uh, step daddy, but uh, <laughs> uh, but I thought that was a hit. And then Cooper Cup again did not expect him to be the wide receiver one or get that many touchdowns. But I liked him over Robert Woods. Um, I actually had to make that decision in Scott Fishbowl uh, at my pick, and it was between the two of them. And I went with uh, Cooper Cup. Unfortunately, I still missed the playoffs by like two and a half points, but. Uh, it did feel good to, to kind of go with a couple where a lot of people were really excited about Robert Woods uh, efficiency and all of his metrics, but um, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if he didn't get hurt, he was having a very consistent year. I think he was putting about 12 to 15 points every week. Um, but I think everyone was kind of turned off by uh, cups, lack of touchdowns the previous year with golf. And I mean, it was a very different offense this year. Um, and we've seen cup put up what, 10 plus touchdowns like, two years ago. So um Touchdowns aren't a sticky stat, but I liked his peripherals. And again, I did not predict him to be the, the wide receiver one, so I'm not going to pretend like I did. Um, but it was nice to see him do well. And you know, can I guess your guy, Nick? Oh yeah, I'll, and I'll have to uh, I'll have to talk about Cup on the flip side of things personally. But um, I like the Eckler call. It, it was funny last season. I, my bold take was that he was going to finish as the RB two overall behind McCaffrey, and I was wrong. He was hurt and everything, and I was a year too late, but uh, I talked about him earlier on a podcast, but what I really liked about Eckler this year is that he scored through the regular season, 12 rushing touchdowns, his entire career before this year, he only scored nine rushing touchdowns. So to see him take a big bump in that stat was, was impressive to me. Um, I got Nate Williams in the uh, chat here, really good friend uh, asking, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll throw this on here in the middle of the show. Uh, I'm, Always welcome to questions. I wish that we can see it on Twitter. We still can't. So if you are, are watching this on Twitter and you want to ask a question, go to the YouTube channel because we can actually see the the, the questions here. But uh, I'll leave this uh, open to you guys. You guys can jump on this question, but I'll read it off for those that listen to this uh, in their car. Where are you drafting Amon Ra in redraft next year? Or where do you project his ADP at this point? Swift and Hawk will be back plus possible other new additions. I love this kid. Just curious of your thoughts. Uh, I'll say briefly, and I'll let you guys say whatever you want about this topic. I don't know off the top of my head, you know, what round he's going to go in. I'm going to guess that he might get, you're probably going to have somebody that's going to reach on him a little bit early just because of how hot he was uh, at the end of the season. I do think that there is going to be a chance that they bring in another wide receiver. But I also think that seeing how productive this guy was for multiple weeks when given the heavy volume, I still have a lot of interest in him. I'm a massive Swift fan. I think Swift, you know, being out, they had some extra targets to spread around a little bit. Uh, Hawkinson was out a little bit as well. But you, you have to give credit where it's due, and, and, and he was making tons and tons of plays. So I feel like from a dynasty perspective, if you had him and you took him in the third round of your rookie draft, you probably are pretty happy right now. And his price in Dynasty probably took a massive jump just because of those weeks. But um, I'd say in redraft, I probably won't end up taking him because I feel like somebody's going to take him a lot earlier than me. But I do think that he's going to have another good season. But uh, any any thoughts on Amara St. Brown? And again, I'm, I love the player. love the player. I just think that when somebody's hot, Someone's going to reach a little bit earlier than, than I probably will. Any thoughts guys? I think I'm, I'm, I'm unqualified to talk about how the lions will use their draft picks since I don't know anything about the lions. Uh, I, but I'd have to imagine they draft 
a wide receiver. Where they draft the wide receiver is is going to be a question. Uh, they waited till the fourth round to draft to draft Amon Ross St. Brown with literally no help, and Tyrell Williams was supposed to lead this team. So, it, I don't think it ranks too highly on their list of cares and needs. They do have two firsts. They have two thirds. Uh, so they have possibly five picks in the top 100. I'm not sure how it shakes out. Now, I would I would be surprised if he's if they don't draft one or two more wide receivers behind him and uh, go go into that. And with Swift and Hawk back, I mean, I, I think he's going to – I agree with you, Nick. I think he's going to get steamed up to the point where he's going to be a little bit too high to take in redraft next year. I'll be, I'll be on him if he falls, but I, I have a feeling he's, he's going to be a lot more of a, a nice steady dynasty play than he is a redraft play at, at the price. He, he might be a sixth or seventh round pick and that'll just be too expensive. Any thoughts, Zach? Yeah, I think I agree with both of you. I think if we're talking dynasty, um, you, he's a great value if you already have him on your roster, obviously. So maybe you trade him, maybe you don't. Uh, depends how you feel about him. But I think he's, if you're in a startup, he's going to be overdrafted, at least through through the rookie draft until we see – or even free agency until we see where some different players land. Um, I think the sample size is just so small. Uh, like I said, Swift and uh, Hawkinson were out. So he just feels really great because he probably helped you win a championship, um, which is exciting. But that doesn't mean he's going to perform like that every week. Uh, not that we expect him to, but uh, that's going to help. Especially in redraft, I think – we don't need to worry about it right now. Um, we're so far away from drafting in redraft. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if uh, he gets overdrafted. Unless, like I could say, if there's a big free agency pickup and maybe a big draft pickup, then maybe there's that narrative that, oh, now he's back to being second fiddle again or third fiddle, um, and that maybe changes his um, draft capital. But it, it also wouldn't shock me if we end up talking about him on the waiver wire show um, after the first month or six weeks into the season, everyone overdrafted him. He doesn't start off hot again. I um, mean, it's still only his second year. And then he's one of those, you, know, you got to drop him and get it going to the bye weeks. He isn't performing. And then he ends up doing another great end of the season. Wouldn't shock me. Yeah. I think that's a good point with the uh, potential for them to bring in a free agent. Because I do think that there is potential for that. And I know that, you know, a lot of people will say like, nobody wants to go to Detroit, but they actually were, fairly competitive in games this year. And um, I think that would be a way for him to go back to being a value. And I think he's, you know, a guy that kind of starting to guys like him and cup after this season have changed. I think the mentality of a slot receiver, because everybody thinks a slot receiver only gets like two, three yard passes all the time and things like that. But um, I, I like that point. It'll be interesting to see what they do, whether it's a draft or they try to make a free agency move for, uh, St. Brown, but back to the topic, uh, I'll, I'll go quickly over, over mine. You know, I, I wanted to say Swift, but he got injured. You know, I was like obnoxious about Deandre Swift because I am a massive fan of his and, and I was pounding the table for him. And before he was injured weeks one through 11, he was the RB five overall. He was being drafted. I think is like the RB 16. Uh, the guy I want to talk about, and I've been talking about him a lot uh, through the season, uh, Brandon cooks. I, I did a board session in my office uh, he was wide receiver 39 for his ADP. He finishes the wide receiver 16. So I was pretty high in cooks. I saw the potential for high targets, high yardage. He's done it so many times in so many different places for the year. And um, he was a guy I felt like was a pretty good hit because it wasn't like 
it wasn't me calling, you know, Jonathan Taylor and saying he's going to be the best running back this year. It was Brandon Cooks, who was being drafted almost as the wide receiver 40. So that comes to mind. You know, I talked about Elijah Moore a lot, but again, he's another guy that that got injured. So um, I do want to shift over to the misses. Um, and I, I, I'm talking about uh, the whiffs here. Um, but you mentioned Cooper Cup, Zach. Uh, I was one of those Robert Woods over Cooper Cup guy. Um Cooper Cup finished 80.1 fantasy points ahead of the wide receiver two. So that says all you need to know about Cooper Cup. The other guy I really whiffed on personally was Joe Mixon. Um, I think I had him somewhere between like 12 and 15 for my rankings before the season started. He was the RB4 for the year overall, which I'm not going to like take lock anything. There's a handful of running backs that were out of the picture due to injury, but I will say Joe Mixon had a really nice season. He had a handful of games above 25 fantasy points. The The efficiency is still a little iffy sometimes on the ground, but I, I really did whiff on, on Joe Mixon. But uh, I do want to extend that that question just to be accountable here on the show and ask uh, who, who was a, a miss uh, or a whiff of yours, uh, Zach, for this year. Sure. So many wide receivers. Uh, I mean, yeah, I got cut, but Ayuk was a huge miss. Allen Robinson, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean – those are all guys that we were all so excited to draft. And if you probably, you could probably draft two of those guys on your team. And you're like, I am set at wide receiver and you would be dead wrong. <laughs> they crushed you. So uh, definitely, definitely the wide receivers this year for me, really. Uh, I was going coming out some drafts, just very excited. I'm like, I love this roster and did not work out. Yeah. There's a lot of, a uh, lot of unexpected finishes like uh, Allen Robinson over here in Chicago Never scored, I don't think, eleven fantasy points on the. On he the did team. not. So, so yeah, that, that that says enough Thank right us. there. But uh, Sam, same same question, man. Same question. Who was a a whiff or a miss for you this year? Ronald Jones. <laughs> it hurts. Tone of voice says it, it all right there. It's the it still hurts. Uh, I mean, look, I'm I. There were there were questions about why, like he should be handed the lead role, but we all just assumed it. Based on last season, we kind of just ignored that Leonard Fournette was the postseason hero, you know, Lombardi Letty. And uh, I, I guess that kind of cost us. Yeah. And that was that. And, uh, you know, it is what it, it is. What it is. But I, I also said that Devontae Smith would be a top 15 wide receiver. And uh, that, that was a little bit of a homerism for me. But uh, I'll, I'll own it. I'll own it. Yeah. Uh, Jalen, this Eagles offense, completely other edge of what I thought they were going to be. I thought they would be a run first team, but event, but would be pass heavy in the fact that they would be down a lot and be passing a lot. I did not expect them to have the number one rushing offense in the NFL. That was, that came completely out of left field, I think, for most people. But, uh, like, it kind of, it tanked any hope of Devonte Smith having a true breakout season. And as such, Jamar Chase has talked about who he is. Jalen Waddell has talked about who he is and people kind of just push Devonte Smith to the side and he'll be a very, he's a very nice value. I, I agree with that because I, I feel like sometimes with the rookies, when, when we miss, we can miss in the like Nikhil Harry sort of sense or the, JJ Arcega White's uh, or <laughs> I could probably I can't even say his name. Uh that sort don't of sense. Don't say his name. Just yeah, don't but say it. With Devonta Smith, we've at least seen some 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 decent games out of him this year, though. That's uh that's the good part. I mean, if yeah, if if he had a dud of a year where we never saw any sort of glimpse 
Uh, we saw a couple games around the 19-point mark. We had two games we in a row around the 20. Yeah, so um, I, I, I I get that portion of it too. But uh, Rojo is an interesting one because I, I wonder what's going to happen with him because he's going to hit free agency. Are they going to try to convince him to stay or something? You know, I'd be surprised if they did. But uh, his dynasty, he might be one of those sneaky like, Try to just go and go and uh, grab them in a deal for you know that that you're focusing in on somebody else, um, just to see where he goes in free agency. But um, mm-hmm. that'll be interesting to see. Uh, shifting things over, um, we talked about producing content. We talked about playing fantasy. Uh, let's talk about consuming uh, content. And to be honest, I, I'm like super specific with the content that I personally consume and, and listen to. Um, not knocking anybody. Uh, I just don't personally listen to like a ton and ton uh, of podcasts, but I have friends that listen to like uh, John who does a show on uh, the P2W fantasy podcast. He listens to like 50 podcasts a week. So there's people that listen to a ton. There's people that, you know, don't listen to a ton. Um, There's people that read a lot of articles. There's people that don't read a lot. So I guess uh, I want to focus in on the, um, the consumer perspective of things. Uh, what what do you think is something um, that stands out to you uh, that you like when it comes to consuming content? Which is, might be an important topic to talk about if, if for instance, there's content creators listening to the show right now and they're like, "Oh, this will be interesting to hear." Uh, Zach, Zach, what what stands out to you for uh, something that you look for in the content that you consume? Because obviously, you make content, but what about the content you consume? Sure. Uh, well, I think right now there's just a lot more content creators. I think with one of the, we'll call it a consequence or a positive of COVID um, was people kind of stuck in their homes for a while, kind of last two year and a half, two years. And I think a lot of people kind of got pushed to wanting to create content, uh, which is great. I think a lot of us that create content have a passion for fantasy football. That's why we're doing it. Um, and we just finally got that push to do it. So I like the diversity um, of different voices out there. Um, it's been interesting. There's a lot different, a lot more different kinds of content too. You got a lot of videos. You have a lot of articles. I mean, we have TikToks now. Who thought that was going to be a thing? So um, for me, I think it's just, just all the diversity. Yeah. Yeah. I I do. Uh, I do agree that within a year span, it seems like that, you know, this is my second year of producing content, but I will say a year ago, I feel like it was pretty straightforward. It was like some streams, a lot of articles. And nowadays people are using so many different uh, methods of, of sharing information. And I, I myself have, have tried to expand uh, what I release on a weekly basis. And, you know, I've tried different things um, just because it's kind of like, I mean, the, 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 uh, the, the times we're in where uh, we have so many different ways of using technology and, and spreading information. So uh, it's definitely interesting to, to see that. Uh, Sam, uh, consumer's perspective, what, what, uh, what stands out to you is something you look for. Ooh, just being different. And I think you yourself are, are a good, good example of that things you do board sessions tiktoks different kinds of streams coming out articles everything uh you know being different is the best way to separate yourself it's the best way if you're looking to gain a following that's the best way to do it is to be is to be different in a way that people can associate that one thing with you or they associate the fact that you're willing to jump into any new medium and be good at it. So that, you know, that, you know, and it's, it's not the worst thing that the, that the industry seems to have shifted to looking for people who can be 
entertaining as well as informative over over the other side but i think i think it's what we're coming to as in a media space that people are going to look for people who can be interesting on different mediums and still uh, show that they are knowledgeable about what they're talking about, but that they still captivate an audience while doing it. So being different is, is the biggest key these days. That, that, that is something I uh, definitely agree with. And, and I think that, I think that it's important as a content creator to not hesitate on trying different things. And, and, and I know personally, like you, you mentioned, for me, I do the board sessions or I've been trying TikTok out and stuff like that. I've like whiffed on so much shit this year that I thought was a good idea and it wasn't. And then random things personally that I've done that I thought were just going to be okay ended up being like a hit. I mean, like the board session, for instance. But uh, I, I think it's important to uh, to try try different things out. And if you don't like it or you're not comfortable, then then move on to the next thing or, or you know, focus in on what you do really good but don't be afraid to go out and try something new. So I know people like to just write articles, spend 90% of your time doing that, but don't be afraid to release a video of you in your home office, just talking about something. I mean, it's, it's, it's okay to, to try different things out. I, I think at the end of the day, because uh, it is a space where people are using different methods and, and it's fine to be, to be different um, when it comes to, to the content. Uh, me personally, and I'll kick it back to you guys if you guys want to finish um, anything off on uh, this topic about content creating or consuming. But me personally, consuming content, I don't, I don't necessarily, you know, like to have something super, super long and lengthy like a, a you know, ten-page article or a hour-long podcast. But what I, what I look for, and, and what I look for is probably different than somebody else that just casually plays fantasy. But it, I look for information that's going to come in and make me think outside of my own box because I'm like you guys, I'm sure where I'm nonstop looking at stuff and taking notes and, and tweeting out random data that I find, but I, I like need to be told some sort of information that makes me think outside of what I'm already thinking about or, or makes me think outside the box or uh, look into a player that I wasn't before. Like I personally, and this is me personally, so I'm not knocking anybody or anything like that. I don't, I don't care about like, I can care less about gimmicks and humor and like flashy podcasts and, and, uh, you know, all the sound boards and all this stuff. Like personally, I, I don't care. I just want something that's going to make me think about things different. So that's, uh, that's, um, something I look for personally, but again, I'm, I'm not a super casual person. I'm a, a psychopath that looks into this stuff way too much. So, um, aren't we all, yeah, that's what, <laughs> we're all, all you, you, you said the word earlier degenerates. So, um, but there's also people out there that they, they look on Sundays and that's it, you know? So it, you kind of have to balance that sort of thing out, but absolutely any, anything else you guys want to add, you know, in terms of either creating content or consuming content, I'll just leave it open for you guys. Sure. Uh, so I think uh, this is, my first year of creating content. So I haven't even been a, a full year yet. Uh, but something that is a good reminder for all of us is there's different levels of fantasy football engagement, if you will, from consumers. Um, like you said, there's some people that just pay attention on Sundays. There's some people that probably look at stats way more than all of us. Um, so it's kind of gearing your content towards trying to cover all of them, or maybe you focus one of your articles or videos on, hey, this is more for the the degenerates, if you will, and maybe this piece is more for the casual players where 
you're trying to still have that nuance, but you don't want to talk down to your consumers and you want to make sure that they're kind of understanding, find a way to make it, like I said, entertaining without having to be gimmicky if, if that's not your thing. And hey, if a gimmick's your thing, then that's great. Whatever, sure. yeah. it gets them to pay attention. Um, and then just really trying to be actionable with your advice. Um, if you don't really tell the consumer really what you think, what they should do, what are they supposed to do with your advice? Um, so yeah, it might feel really vulnerable to tell somebody, hey, I think you should pick this player up. But that's kind of what our job is in this in this uh, space. And we're not going to be right every time. We're probably going to be wrong more than we're right. But at least if we're providing that content of like, hey, here's all the research I did. Here's my best prediction. Here's what I recommend you do with this information. And then it's their choice to make that decision if they want to follow you or not. But if you're not giving them any action, I don't know what they're supposed to take from your content. I like that. I like that a lot because that's something I think in year one I didn't do enough of. I did a you know a ton of talking about players, good or bad. But on the podcast this year with uh, with Kevin, I think we really tried to shift into talking about something and then giving an action or an example of an action. I think that's something that um, I didn't you know really think about too much before. But it is important because when you are a casual fantasy player and somebody says go pick up this guy or something like, you know, along those lines or sell this guy. They're probably thinking to themselves like, uh, like, what do I, how, how, how do I go about that? Or, you know, in what sort of way, what's, what's the value around that? But uh, Sam, any closing thoughts on, on content creating content, consuming anything? No, I think uh, everything, everything you and Zach covered was great. Um, you know, and if you want to create content, now's the best time to do it. Everyone's jumping in, and uh, the off season's the best time to start. So, and uh, on a side note, you can be a hundred percent part of the fantasy community without making content. You can just mm-hmm. follow other accounts and interact on on Twitter or wherever you're at Instagram. I don't know, but uh, uh, it's a big community that's extremely welcoming. That's that's yep. for sure. People interact nonstop all day. Uh, Maybe a little too much, but um, we love well, having people yell at us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, true. that's true. That's true. That that's why that's why my my profile picture is me with the the tattoos out. So I try to look look tough, so nobody yells at me. But I still I still get yelled at all the time. So it, we it know is you're a big softy. It all workout videos. Yeah, yeah. It, we exactly. we all know you're a big softy in the gym at five a.m. <laughs> with the elderly people that are in there at the time uh, at at four a.m. But um. We'll, we'll close the show out. I did this last off season. We'll do it again today. I'll, I'll be all fun with uh, the podcast now that it's the off season. You guys, I don't know. You guys have anything to write with that you can hold up to the screen by chance. We're going to do some Jersey trivia here. I did this last year. Ton of fun. Maybe, you know, if, uh, you know, I, I was on a podcast for basketball for triple play and we did this, this is where I kind of stole it from. And I sucked at the, at the, uh, the questions that were asked for the basketball guys, but I think, I think this will be uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what I have is I have a series of players here. I'll give you guys like five seconds. I'm going to read their name. You give me their number. They're all guys that won their playoff game this week. No cheating, no cheating. There's no prize. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. All right. But I, I'll start things off. Just write it on the piece of paper and, and hold it up. All right. First guy on the list, running back from the Bengals, Chris Evans. All right, we got one. All right, so uh, you guys are one number off. Uh, Zach had 24, Sam had 25. The answer was 25. So we got Sam up one to zero so far. All right, next one on the list here. 
Wide receiver from the Bills, Isaiah McKenzie. All right, so we got 11 and 19. The answer was number 19. I have a feeling. I have a feeling. Sam's a, a Jersey guy. Maybe a Jersey. I don't guy. feel good already. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. I'll just keep all-time records here. So we got two two zero so far. Uh, running back from the Buccaneers, Keyshawn Vaughn. All right, so Zach, you're missing the two in front of the one. Uh, Sam's got this one as well. 21, 21. I'm hoping that the the last two are are, are a little bit tougher. I'm trying to throw Sam <laughs> off here. Uh, wide sweat. receiver, yeah. Wide receiver. I got two two left. Wide receiver from the 49ers, Juwan Jennings. All right, 27 and 15. Sam's right again. Sam's right again. So we got uh, one, two, three, four for four for you. All right, last one. Maybe this one's easy because the guy just played, had a badass game for whatever reason, but running back from the Chiefs, Jarek McKinnon. I don't even know. All right, yeah, you, you guys both got there it. Number got one, it. number one. So we got Sam, Sam went. Sam beat Zach here. Sam went five for five. Uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to have you on another time to uh, to try to throw you off. I thought I had some interesting guys here, but uh, you uh, were spot on there. You were spot. I was on. expecting the Jersey I, change players. I will say I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of a freak that like I know jersey numbers better than players like what every it just like sticks in my mind I don't know I usually am when like I have like some sort of bet and I'm looking at the screen I'm like is it is it fifteen oh, yeah. is it fifteen is it 15? yeah and they'll be like no I'm, it's not it's not uh, I'm the but, same way and it's ye and it's I'll tell you what it is it's years and years and years of that compounded onto each other of figuring yep. out who wears what number so I can always be rooting for the right guy. How, was, <laughs> how disorienting was the beginning of the season with all the New Jersey numbers for you? Oh, absolutely. Extremely. Which is rough for a person like me who has a massive jersey collection. When I have like DJ Moore, right. my jersey in my garage says twelve, and now he's number two. Like, well, what the hell is that? But you know, why was Leonard Fournette number seven? It's it. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they. I think they they just had the ability to be creative, and they're like, hell yeah! Like, I'm I'm gonna do I'm gonna be Michael Vick today. That's what Fournette was saying at the time. Absolutely. Um, he good show, like guys. Good show, guys. Uh, this will be out on the uh, the podcast, um, you know, Apple, iTunes, and Spotify and all the good stuff um, probably tomorrow. Uh, but, again, Redraft Reflections. Uh, you can catch it on YouTube if you want to see everybody's faces. Uh, but I do want to close out the show and make sure you guys uh, can remind everybody where to find you on social media. And if you want to plug anything as we close the show out uh, and get back to this uh Rams Cardinals game that is not really a game right now. 21 0 Rams. Uh, Sam, we'll start with you, man. Where can we find you and anything you want to plug? Oh, uh, yeah. You guys can find me on Twitter at uh, Swagman95 on there. Um, I will uh, will be uh, working with a couple sites coming up this, uh, this spring, and uh, I can't wait to get started with that. Um, Look, it's all, it's only January. Lots lots of content to do. Lots of NFL draft stuff. Favorite time of the year, and then so we get to worry all about that for the next four and a half months. It is a blissful time. 
That indeed, that indeed. Lots of stuff to talk about nonstop. I think a lot of people think the season is over. It, it's not. The, the The year continues on. But, Zach, same sort of question here. Uh, where can we find you on social media? And uh, anything you want to plug as we close things out? Sure. So you can find me at FF Chalupa Batman. So great name. League. If you if you guys haven't seen the league, watch. I think it's still on Hulu. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just right now kind of grinding with those videos for Triple Play Fantasy. So also, if you don't follow that account, follow them. Subscribe there. Um, working on an interview series right now. Really excited about uh, who I'm going to talk to, um, and then going over some some different player profiles, reviewing their 2021 20, season. I'll be coming out on YouTube. Um, so like I said, follow the Triple Play Fantasy account on youtube uh, subscribe there so you don't miss that uh but then you'll see me like nick said just posting a lot of uh fantasy football uh, fit club uh on twitter every day uh again now's the time if you, if you guys want to work out be a little more active it's january a lot of a lot of people in the gym right now stick with it have fun um don't worry about not seeing results right now it takes a while you just got to keep keep going have fun with it uh that's why i think nick and i post a lot is just to show that even if you're, I mean, some days I just work out for two minutes, um, but at least you're doing something. And like I said, it's a very positive space. So uh, don't, don't be afraid to, to join in. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it, it was a hit last year, died out, but uh, it, it's still going. It's still going. It's very welcoming. It's very welcoming. I think a lot of people um, who joined in before were tagging people for the fit club and um, it's something just uh, to, to collaborate on without actually collaborating on something. But um uh, funny story too. Before we close things out, your your twi- Twitter handle, uh, Zach. I think I think you asked a question on a show that I had Scott Barrett on. I remember this, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Oh man, that's a great that's a great Twitter name. That's a great Twitter name. That was funny." But um, thank you guys both for coming on. Uh, we we shifted the show uh, because I had another work commitment, so I'm I'm really appreciative of these guys uh, adjusting and coming on the show Monday versus Wednesday uh, for myself. Probably have another stream sometime this week with some other random content. Um, make sure you guys check out their, their stuff. Uh, Sam and Zach, they, uh, they work very hard and, uh, again, good show guys. Uh, everybody listen. Thank you guys. Have a good rest of your night. Enjoy the rest of this game.